Our psalm this morning is found in Psalm 119, 101 to 105. It says this, I have kept my feet from every evil path so that I might obey your word. I have not departed from your laws for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts and therefore I hate every wrong path. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. Also in reference this morning will be John 8, 12, which says this, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So glad that you're with us this morning. And again, we're going to be referencing Psalm 119, 101 to 105 today as we continue our summer through the Psalms. Now, Psalm 119 is the longest of all the Psalms with 176 verses. The basic theme of the Psalm can be boiled down to this, the practical use of the Word of God in the life of a believer. In fact, only six of the 176 verses in Psalm 119 doesn't contain a word referencing the Bible. When the psalmist spoke of scriptures, he used eight different terms that we see throughout this chapter when he refers to the Bible. He can say its ways, the testimonies, the statutes, the word, the rules, commandments, precepts, and the law of God. Needless to say, the psalmist clearly believes that God's word is important. This morning, we're going to look at three ways God's word, the Bible, can help you. Entitled the message this morning, Turn on the Lights. So if you have your Bibles, make sure that you're referencing with me as we're just going to go verse by verse through this. And uh, first thing that we're going to see in, in the three ways God's word can help you is found in 101 to 102 of Psalm 119. And that is this, that God's word directs us or it helps keep us from trouble. This is what it says. It says, I have kept my feet from every evil path so that I might obey your word. I have not departed from your laws for you yourself have taught me. I have kept from. Not simply to say I didn't do it, but so that I might obey. It's not just about I keep away from evil paths so I can say, well, look, I didn't do that. The Christian life is not about avoidance, but it's actually about pursuit. So that I might obey. For a follower of Jesus, life is not about avoiding evil. Rather, it is ultimately about pursuing and following Jesus. Over these last few months in COVID, perhaps like me, you've had to explore some new TV shows that you've never watched before. In my house, uh, one of our favorite shows and my son's most favorite show right now is The Floor is Lava. If you haven't watched it, it's on Netflix. It's super fun. You should check it out. But uh, this verse kind of makes me think a little bit of The Floor is Lava. If you haven't seen the show, it's the basic premise of your imaginary games you played when you were a kid. I used to do this all the time, where you had to try and get from one end of the room or one end of your house to the other without touching the floor because the floor is lava. 
Now in the game show, uh, there'll be some pictures that you can see on the screen there. They have this gigantic room and it's filled with lava, which is just, it's like a giant hot tub with red dye in it. And the idea is, is the teams, there are three teams that are competing against each other to see how many members they can get from one end to the other and how fast they can do it in. And so they'll start on the one end of the room and as time moves along, the water raises or the lava level raises and they have obstacles and different items in the room and they have to figure out how to get across. And there are secret little codes you can do. You pull on a rope and suddenly, you know, a chandelier falls and you're able to cross over on that and you're trying to beat uh, the time to get across before the lava gets too high. Now, as you watch the first team that goes through, you learn a lot. You see, you know, what rope to pull or what items are too unstable or too slippery to really jump on or what items are great that you can jump on and how to get across. And, and then by the time you watch teams two and three, you're kind of going, well, don't, don't do that. Don't go that way. That's not the right way. Go this way. You won't make it. You won't make it. If you had the blueprint to know how to get across, you'd be able to do it so much more efficiently, so much quicker. But each one of them starts from zero. They don't know which way they're going. God's word is to actually practically direct our lives. God's word is meant to be our teacher. It's meant to be engaged as a practical guide rather than what many of us tend to do with it, which is we tend to use the Bible as this theoretical conversation. The Bible is meant to be the map of the best way to get through the course of life. It's kind of the way of saying like, these are the items to get across so that you don't fall in the lava. In verse 101 and verse 102, we see that a true student of God's word is not a person who simply has a big head of knowledge, but rather it's one who has an obedient heart and loves to do the will of God. You see, throughout the life of Jesus in the New Testament, there were the characters called the Pharisees, and the Pharisees were religious leaders. And they loved to argue about theoretical conversations and theological points, but they never actually lived up to them. Some of us in the church, this has become our stance in our relationship with the Bible. We will engage with it intellectually. We'll talk about it. We'll break it down and we'll argue back and forth about what something means or what it could say or what it shouldn't say. But it simply always remains theory with no real practical mandate. The Bible is meant to be our practical guide. If the Bible says not to do it, we don't do it. Not simply to avoid the evil, but rather it's because we learn that it's a guide to take us towards the good that God actually wants for our lives. And so if it says something is right and we should do it, we do it without abandon, we pursue it. God's word is to direct us. The second thing is God's word is to be enjoyed. We see this in verse 103 and 104. How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth, says the psalmist. I gain understanding from your precepts and therefore I hate every wrong path. Now to the psalmist in this time frame, honey would be, of course, the sweetest thing in their diet. It is incredibly pleasant to the tongue. I'm not the world's greatest baker. Uh, my family can probably tell you that, but I'm, I'm not completely inept. And I do occasionally like to make some food in the kitchen. I love crisps more than I do cakes, even though it seems like cakes get all the rage and the publicity. 
But when you have a recipe, can you imagine you're making a great dessert, whether it's a chocolate cake or it's an apple crisp, and instead of sugar, you end up replacing it with salt. I've done that once. It doesn't taste good. <laughs> Some look at God as this supreme being that they need to somehow appease and earn approval from. But God's word is actually supposed to be like pure honey. It's not defiled, and it gives us the sweetness and energy we need to help obey him. God is not this supreme being waiting on top just for you to make mistakes and hit you over the head with a bat. The Bible is not simply a rule book. And your life is not boiled down to try and follow the rules and try and appease this, this ogre-like God and he will, in exchange, let you go and give you something in exchange. That's not how it works. God's word is like honey. God's word is not a word of judgment. Rather, it's a, it's a word that is to actually fill your life, to equip you, to build you up. And for the followers of Jesus, that's exactly what it does. In the ancient world, uh, when, it, when it came to... Uh, to what you would eat. Again, honey was the sweetest thing that you could have, and it would actually give life-sustaining energy. And in this way of looking at the Bible, the Christian life, it's backwards if we believe that we somehow appease God and get something in return. It's the equivalent of baking a cake with salt instead of sugar. But as we see in verse 104, we are to first gain understanding the Bible is to give us, again, that instruction, as we learned in that first point. It's our instruction, and it's because of that that we hate every wrong path. But as the Bible teaches us, it's not God's wrath that directs us, but it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. We see this in Romans 2, verse 4. It's not God's anger that leads us to repentance, to turn away from sin and from every evil path. It's his kindness. It's the grace, forgiveness, love, and goodness of God that draws us. God's desire for you is to know him, to know his heart and his goodness for you. When we understand who God is, we hate the wrong paths, not just because they're bad. We, it's because we come to know the goodness of God and because we realize God's path is better than the other. You realize God isn't trying to rob you. His desire is to bless you. You hate the wrong because you come to trust that God is better. Psalms 16.11 says this, You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. The God of the Bible is a relational God. His word is like honey, sweet for those who are his. The Bible is a book that practically equips the believer and helps to build a bridge of relationship with God. It energizes and mobilizes us to step out into the good things God has called us to. God's word is to be enjoyed and to bring pleasure. Finally, thirdly, we see that God's word is our light. Uh, Psalms 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. 
When Jesus spoke, uh, this is in, sorry, uh, John 8, 12, it says this, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Light. Now, what does this mean to be light, to have light? What does light do? Two things really quickly this morning that I want to point out when it talks about light. First of all, light helps us to see what is. God's word is a lamp for my feet and a light unto my path. Can you imagine if I had two people line up and to do a race against each other? Maybe I grab two of the pastors. It would be uh, Pastor Jaden against Pastor Marlowe. And they're going to have a race of an obstacle course that's going on in the building. And I set them up and I, and I have them at the start line. They get to start at the same place. The obstacle course is identical for both of them. But right before we start, I put a blindfold on Pastor Marlowe so he can't see. Who do you think is going to win that race? Well, of course, Pastor Jaden's going to win. Because she can see what's present and what's around. There's something about when light comes on, light dispels and it helps us to see what is in surrounding areas. Light helps us see what is present. In the ancient world that the psalmist lived in, they did not have lights like we have today. They didn't simply have a flashlight they'd put on the path or, or have lights headed down the street so they could see everything that was. But they had these small dishes that contained an oil. And the light that was in them, that was lit, would illuminate the path. But it only illuminated enough just for the steps in front of them. So that they could see just enough in front of them to be able to step into what was next. This is very similar for the Christian life. We do, not, uh, we do not see the whole root of what God calls us to at one time, but God's word is a lamp unto our feet. God's word helps us to see what is the next step God is asking us to step in towards. Because we walk by faith as we follow God's word. And so with that, each act of obedience shows us the next step. Each time we take a step forward, the light moves forward with us and we get to see the next step forward of where God is calling us to. God's word is a lamp unto our feet. God's word helps us to see what we're to do next and to take that next step. But light doesn't just help us to see what is. Light also helps us to see what is not. Think of it when you were a child and, and when you go to bed at night. A lot of kids are afraid of the dark when they're little. Why are they afraid of the dark? The light is on in their room and they see all that's around, but then the lights turn off and suddenly there are monsters under the bed and that that curtain that kind of blows and the wind is a ghost in the corner of the room and we become unsure of what's actually around us. Even as an adult, I remember when I was in grade 12, I played volleyball in high school and I had a practice that was late, ended probably around 9.30 at night. And, and it was dark outside and the person who was supposed to pick me up and give me a ride home didn't come. So I had to walk home. But for me to get home, there was a large forestry reserve that I had to walk to to get to my house. It was either that or it'd take me like an hour and a half, two hours to walk home. And I remember it was only about a five minute walk to get through this forestry reserve. And I had done it for every day for several years. I knew it like the back of my hand. It was right across from my house. 
but it was so dark that night in the, in the deep forest, I couldn't even see my hand when I waved it in front of my face. And I remember trying to navigate through that. And it's funny how things that were so familiar to you are suddenly a little more fearful because you have no idea. You can't really see what's out there and what's not out there. Light has a way of dispelling darkness. It shows us what really is. It shows us the way things truly are in reality. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 4-9 says this, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure, this treasure of God's word in us in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. You see, the Bible tells us that the world around us is surrounded by darkness. All around us, there are things that can appear fearful and overwhelming. For many today, there is the finances of tomorrow and uncertain of what's going to happen, uncertain what's going to go on with my work. I've felt stable in it before, but I don't feel stable anymore. For parents right now, there's the uncertainty of what should I do with my child, the fear of, of is school going to be okay? Should I not do school? The fear of my kid going to school, the fear of my kid not going to school. There's, there's the, the reality of, am I going to get sick? Am I, is my family going to be okay? Is my, is my grandparent, my parents who's having health issues outside of the COVID issue, are they going to be okay? There's so many fears that can come and overwhelm us. The enemy of your soul would love nothing more than to keep you trapped in darkness. And just like that child who's in their bedroom, who's in the safety of a room that's, that's absolutely perfect for them to be in, when there's darkness, we don't necessarily know what is not there. And he would love to make you become fearful and begin to plant in things and say that they're present when they're really not. The Bible tells us that God's word is a lamp unto our feet. It allows us to see things for what they really are. And it helps us not to operate out of fear. It turns on the light so we can respond correctly to what God has called us to and to be. Now that doesn't mean that there aren't still difficult decisions and hardships and, and hard things to walk through. All of us are and all of us do. It doesn't mean that some of the hard decisions you're facing aren't difficult ones because they are. But what it does mean is that when we allow God's word to be a part of the equation and to come in, it can help us to operate out of a, a proper platform and foundation. And instead of making decisions and, and letting fear run our lives, we can make our decisions and run our lives out of the foundation of the truth of God. His view on us, the reality of what really is going on in our lives around us and what he's called us to. The key to all of this is to trust. To know that we have a God who is trustworthy and God's word helps build that in us. 
God reaches out to us through his word. His word that directs us, as we learned first of all today, giving us instruction that helps us to avoid trouble, knowing that God's word is not for your detriment and it's not just to take from you, but it is rather to help guide you for his very best for you. His very best. His word that is to be enjoyed. His word that is sweet like honey, bringing life and enjoyment, that God wants to meet you in his word. More than you just being a student that needs to learn and memorize, God wants you to know, meet, and experience him in his word. It's his kindness that will lead you to repentance. It's the kindness of God that draws us in. And as the Bible says, it's in his presence that is fullness of joy. And finally, it's God's word that is a light that helps us to see things for what they are. And with that extinguishes and vanquishes the trap of fear. The enemy would love to keep you trapped in that. But God's word is a light that helps you to see things for what they really are. I want to pray for you today that God would really display and show his word to you in your life. If you'll join me. God, I just pray and I thank you for your word. I thank you that you desire to meet with us through your word. And I pray for for all of us as we find ourselves in various situations today, in various locations. But I pray as, as we've read through this psalm and meditate on these words, God, I pray that your word would become alive in us. God, that we, for those of us who maybe our relationship has just simply been looking at the Bible as something that gives us rules and is, is an exchange system, is somehow a penance to try, somehow earn your approval, would you just completely demolish that and show us what the Bible really is? It's a, it's a love letter, an expression to us, an encouragement and a map to us that gives us the direction of telling us what you're calling us to, of what your best is for our lives. Lord, that your word is life-sustaining, that it's not meant to rob us, but it's actually to fill us. It's a, it's a way of us actually connecting with you and ultimately the most enjoyable possible thing we could have in our lives, having communion with you, experiencing your presence and your voice active in our lives. And God, I pray for all of us today, may your word be light unto our feet. May it help us to see what is around us. God, to see the truth of what is. Lord, and to extinguish the fears and the lie the enemy would put in front of us and show us what actually is not so that we can truly, full, wholeheartedly, passionately pursue you. For those of us today who feel discouraged, who feel just lost where we're at, who feel overwhelmed, God, where anxiety has just taken over, I pray right now, in Jesus' name, may your presence at this very moment come over them and in them. May they know the very presence of God right where they are. And may fear be extinguished through that. May the Holy Spirit, the great counselor, come and speak as you would, as only you can. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.